You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk. <clears throat> Welcome to After the Show. What is our before the After the Show discussion? Nothing. Pretty much. Well, I was telling you about smoothies. True. That's about it. Smoothie recipes. But you're going to talk things. about that later. So, but that was our before the you asking me what was. is the before the after show discussion. So instead of having two two versions of smoothie talk, we will talk. Well, not about two versions. I can tell you that what I was just talking about was like articles about the unhealthiness of smoothies, but it's because people put things like full fat yogurt and maple syrup and things like that in them. I've only ever had smoothies out of a bottle, and they always taste disgusting to me. They're always like um, uh, slimy. Or too, too much flavor, like too much. Fr- I'm not really a mass- massive fan of fruit, Mm-mm. so they either taste of too much fruit or uh, they're slimy. The mm. green ones, especially, are very slimy. Oh yeah, because they add in like, a bottle. If you're getting a healthy one, they're going to add um, stuff to it that make like flax makes it kind of as you call it frog spawny. Yeah, like that. I just <laughs> can't bear that. Even if it tastes delicious, that puts me off it. But the one I made today, we'll discuss later. True. So, it is... No, it isn't. But it is. It isn't. It was going to be, but now it actually is. Sunday, May the 25th. This is after the show number 328. After the show is our podcast where we review a movie every week. This week's movie that we're going to review is Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. It's a 2014 movie. It'll actually be available on Blu-ray... On the 10th of June, so this is a really early look at it, because that's about, what, three weeks, two weeks? Uh, It's from our friends at Paramount, and the tagline to this movie is Trust No One, which is a really good tagline. And uh, Sid Talk, the synopsis for Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. Mm, Well, John Ryan joins the Marines. John? His name is John. And um, after 9-11, so we've put this story in that era, this era... And later gets recruited as a shadow recruit by Dances with Wolves to help. Into the CIA. <laughs> yeah, to try to help um, thwart a plan to bring America's economy down. True. So, um, moving on to the movie. Um, I, I've, I've got a little bit of experience with this um, franchise. Like, I've seen Hunt for Red October... And that is all I've seen, actually. <laughs> um, I didn't see some of All Fears with Ben Affleck. And when it showed you a clip of it in the extras, I actually want to see it now. It actually looked pretty cool. Um, so I'm not a massive... This is Tom Clancy's um, Jack Ryan series of books. And there's been several films throughout the years. This is kind of like restarting it again, though. Um, it's not... It's a not restarting cl- it for me, because I don't have... But what I'm saying is, it. it's not a prequel, because the timeline wouldn't be right if it was a prequel. Well, say, it's only restarting for anyone who's ever been involved with it at all. I'm saying, if you're a fan of Tom, yeah. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, this is a... I hate to say it, but it's like a reboot, because the timeline wouldn't make any sense if... It isn't a reboot, though, is it? They're just it is a reboot, telling yeah. the story again, a different way. Which is what a reboot actually is. So, mm. it's... Um, Arguable. <laughs> The timeline wouldn't make no sense if you if this was supposed to be his early days, 
because his early days take place ten years ago. Whereas in the in the other movies, this partially in the Cold War, mm. you know, so it doesn't make sense. So you have to. I think they just want to start it again and have some more Jack Ryan adventures. Um, so I'm not f- super familiar with it, apart from Hunt for Red October, but I don't actually see that as a Jack Ryan movie myself. I just saw it as like the, that submarine movie that I really liked. I had no ties to that character or anything. Um, so this one. Uh, what I thought of it was, it's it's really slick. And from the beginning, from the opening, I was kind of gripped by it. I think it was pretty good. Um, it's not a perfect movie. There's definitely some um, shortcomings. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it's an entertaining, if you like a thriller, and it's kind of dumb. It's trying to act like an intelligent thriller, but it's not really an intelligent thriller. It's very basic. Um, there are some parts of it. One, Mr. Kenneth Branagh playing the evil bad guy. I think that evil bad guy would have worked better in a Bond movie. It's a little bit OTT for me. It's, um. Do you mean over the top? It's the guy who. It's almost like a guy twizzling his mustache in his secret lair. It's like. It's a bit too not real. You know? But the scary man who is intimidating to everybody. And he's always on his own, and he's in his little room, and he's. Everybody's scared of him. Um, and some of the... It's partially the cast where I have the problems with it. Um, but as an action movie, you know, it's similar to something like a Bond movie or a James Bond movie. At one point I was thinking, with this character, they're trying to do an American James Bond but there's like a load of naivety to him. He's not like a super professional in this anyway. He's, he's like, oh, I'm new to the job. I don't really know what I'm doing. But then all of a sudden he does know what he's doing. It's a, there's a big leap. Yeah. Because I liked, actually, the, the opening bit where he first gets put into the CIA and he has to go to Russia and something happens. And there's vulnerability to him. And I'm like, wow, he's like, he's like a guy. He's like, you know, he's like a kid. Who's, he's, he doesn't even understand this world properly. And then next thing, he's like James Bond's yeah. se- secret agent, like. And there was no getting to that. He just all of a sudden was that, and he wasn't scared anymore. And he was super confident. Um, so they were the yeah, problems. Yeah, but on the phone, that voice told him, "You've yeah. been trained for this." And then it was like, "Oh, oh yeah. yeah, okay, snap." Yep. So you know to remind us that he's been trained. So yeah. what you're about to see is a result of him having. But you lots know what? When he was super naive and scared and like just reacting to what's happening in the field. I preferred him like that. Like, I would have liked him to be like that the entire movie. And then maybe further on in this series, he becomes more experienced. Because that was just a bit too much of a quick jump. Um, It also, the beginning of the movie, like the first 10 minutes, it skips a bunch of, like, his training and then something happens and it skips a bunch of time. Um, I would have liked more... Origin story? Yeah, I would have liked more of that origin story. I would have liked 30 minutes of the movie to be more development of his earlier days when he was in the Marines and all that stuff. Um, but as far as the, like, caper, I will say, because it's a bit heisty, like, even though it's not a heist. Well, it is a heist and it's stealing something. That... It made no sense at all. It made sense. No, listen, here's the, here's the thing. Go into the next office... Mm-hmm. Plug this into the power. We'll use the building's power. Yeah. 
Then he goes into the actual office. If you notice, he doesn't go into the next office. No, he's behind the wall. No, he's in his office. There's a oh, painting yeah, he is right in there. his office, yeah, yeah. And if you can use the fucking electric for the building, why do you have to go to that office? Why can't you just go in the lobby and plug it in? That True. made no sense whatsoever that you would have any caper at all. Because the, the, <laughs> the office next door is going to have the same electric current as the the plug that's down by the front door. I just thought it was though they could tap into a certain circuit in the thing. But that's but, not what they said. They said, we'll use the building's electric. True. And that is a real... And that was an actual interesting thing. When, when he said that, I was like, well, that is a real life thing because we have power line networking and that is... I mean, we don't have it. You can buy it. Yeah. Just go on Amazon and buy it and you plug some things into your walls and it sends your internet through the wires in your walls. So it's like... And if that's the case, he could have done it from anywhere. Yeah, pretty much. As long... Well, actually, you can do it from anywhere so long as you have one plugged in one place and then one plugged in another. So maybe that was it. No, because they only went to one place. That's what I'm saying. That no, well, they paper. have theirs plugged in in the foyer or something, I, I guess. The- but they would have said that. Like, yeah. they would have... Re- but that was a whole explanation. So that but, was my uh, But anyway, thing. the caper itself was kind of interesting to me. Um, I, w- I found it suspenseful and interesting the way they played it out because they did some... They had to keep it, keep the bad guy um, kind of occupied by using his weakness... And then going doing the thing, and then there was a a lot of Mission Impossible type stuff, like banging into people and not taking quite, things. But, yeah. but still on a smaller, not as not as elaborate as that. But I was tense during that. I didn't know if what was going to happen exactly. But here's the thing: this guy is hardcore, right? Kicks the shit out of a doctor for hurting his arm, the bad guy, giving yeah. him a shot. Then two people bump into him in the matter of a few minutes. Bump, bump. He got a bit public. pissed, but not much. Yeah, but instead of being like, yeah, like suspicious, yeah. which is yeah. highly suspicious. He was suspicious anyway. the second time, no, but only just, after the fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was just so many. I mean, I enjoyed it too. I thought it was good, like as far as it's exciting. You're just on a ride, that stuff. But then every every few minutes, I was like, so. I, I don't want fiction to be completely plausible. That's fine. It can be implausible. But this is based in reality. Based, it's not a superhero guy. He's not been injected with anything. He's not a super soldier. Nothing like that. He's not super intelligent. We have no indication that he's anyone like Bourne who's been programmed to do all kinds of weird shit. No. Nothing like that. And he's that. not like James Bond, like superhuman like or anything. No. Well, James Bond isn't superhuman. Uh, yeah, but James Bond isn't superhuman. But if he, you know for a fact he's invincible. Fairly invincible. Yeah. Invincible. He ain't dying. He's James Bond, right? So he's going to get through it somehow. So in in terms of a viewer, you're like, okay, how does he do it this time? He's getting through it. You don't really know about this guy. You don't know if he's disposable or not. Well, if they're going to make another one or not. Like, I'm you know? pretty sure they're not going to kill him halfway. Well, the first 15 minutes of the movie. No. But anyway, there's, there's also a twist in the movie um, involving a, pl- a plot in the States. That I kind of saw come in earlier. Um, was it a twist? I yeah. thought it was just part of the whole plan. It is, but it's a it's a oh, oh like look over here, and then we'll distract you, and then there's something. I don't want to discuss yeah, yeah. that on the yeah. mic because it's. I didn't bring it up. I'm just saying. Actual, I just thought it was all part of the same thing. Yeah, but it's an actual um, oh kind of moment which I actually saw come in. Um, so it wasn't particularly clever that. Uh, but I did like the action. There's an action scene, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. I think Kenneth Branagh can film an action scene, which I don't think of him as doing a good action scene, but it was the thing on the motorbike. I don't think of him as that, that kind of um, 
director. Uh, mm. Thor, which he directed. Um, it didn't have the first one. Yes, it had some action scenes, but they weren't particularly interesting, I didn't think. The second Thor, I thought, was way better. Um, he did Valkyrie, which was... You know, I was thinking about Valkyrie. It's another Kenneth Branagh-directed movie. That was kind of like a little caper. Just happened yeah, to be. kind of. But in this kind of... It was a, it was a suspense caper. Like, that was it. Oh, wow, is he going to get caught? Is he going to get found out? It was the same as this, but in Nazi Germany. Um, so, yeah, I think he did a good job with the action. Because that action scene on the motorcycle... See, that's another thing. When a character at the beginning of a movie, because you know how movies work now, like yep. it's kind of this form, let's just say it right now, this movie is a hundred percent formulaic. Yeah, when, when your there's no surprise when your hero character bumps into a guy at work who's on a really nice motorbike and says, "Oh, good, nice bike." It's quite obvious that that bike comes into play somewhere because it's an action movie. I was like, "Oh, I didn't think of that." I absolutely thought of it. I thought, "Oh." Nice bike. I bet he'd look cool on that bike, driving it in an action scene. And eventually he does drive that bike. And I've never seen a screenshot of him driving the bike. I just got the gist of that. Must and then, that obvious. And then the nice, um, you know, it was that obvious. And then the... But it wasn't to me. That's what I'm no, saying. I mean to me. Like, how I know movies work. And, like, when you telegraph something like that for no reason, there's always a reason. Um, and then the friend on the bike turns up very... What do you call it? Conveniently? Yeah. Like, oh, there's the friend on the bike, all of a sudden. Um, there's a lot of that in this movie. But there again, there's a lot of that in a lot of other spy-type movies. Um, if you picked apart any... If you picked apart the Bourne movies or the Mission Impossible movies, Mission Impossible movies especially, you would find all kinds of loopholes in them. So but These are really obvious, except that one wasn't obvious to me. Yeah, and I, pulled up. <laughs> I think the, the difference with this one is... Mission Impossible, for instance, knows that it's kind of dumb, but you're there to see the gadgets and the action scenes, right? This kind of sells itself as, oh, we're an intelligent spy movie. You like should follow. Eagle Eye tried to. Yeah, be you should follow real. this plot. It's really yeah. interesting, and like, isn't this the real world? And like, but it's really kind of dumb. So I think taking that approach, they should have took the more fun approach. But there again, Tom Clancy is not a fun. Mm-mm. He doesn't write fun books. He writes very serious political... It's just this doesn't capture that. Um, but as far as... A interest... I didn't feel a threat. That's the thing. At all. No, and you know what? There was part of me inside... Uh, that would be a spoiler. But part of me inside wishes it They'd actually happened, happened differently. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I think that would have been interesting. And the fallout to that. Yep. Um, but that's not really what you get. Um so yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's 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 a fun ninety minutes. I don't know if it's fun. <laughs> no, I mean to me, it's a fun like thrill, uh, spy thriller movie. Like there's a cool fight. There's a good action scene. There's uh, a capery like heisty little bit that makes you on the edge of your seat. There's a love interest thing that I don't care for. Um, there's having American, Kevin, there's, American um, accents. There's Kevin Costner, who's the most badass thing about the movie, in my opinion. I thought he was awesome. Character and him. Really? Um, but we'll move on to the cast, and I'll discuss why I liked Kevin Costner the best. So Chris Pine plays Jack Ryan, and people will know him. from the, He's the new Captain Kirk in the Star Trek movies. Um, I actually liked him in the role. I think he's pretty good. 
at playing that naive young recruit. But then when when he goes into the slick kind of thing, I didn't like him as much. But I think that was the fault of the script, the way it was tailored. You didn't have time to toughen up with him. No, it was just like, he's a fresh-faced boy who's new to the CIA and now he knows everything about the city. He's like doing things, there's no second thoughts to anything. He's, you know, but I think he plays it well. You know, another guy I was thinking um, when I was watching it, I was like, who else could be this guy? You know, we've had different guys be him. And then a guy that came straight to my head is the guy who plays um, in Dust Till Dawn, the series that we just watched. The guy who plays George Clooney. He's not playing George Clooney. <laughs> but whatever, yeah. Yeah. I would have liked him in this role. I think he would be really good too. I don't know his name. I don't know if he's good. He DJ just happens Katran to be good in that show. So we don't know how good he really I could is. see him being a cool spy dude. I could just see that. Like, So I was thinking of some other guys who could do this. You know, because you have to have a youngish guy. You know, it can't be... Harrison Ford was at once, wasn't he? He wasn't young. That's what I'm saying. The timeline's... That's what I'm saying. Then have to be a young person. No, if you're doing the recruit, you, you have to yeah, be a young true. guy. Um, but Chris Pine plays it well. You know, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's, no. he's obviously can do action and stuff. You know, I could see him in action movies. Um, it, other action movies. Um, Kira Knightley is his girlfriend, Kathy Muller. Um, I got a few problems with her. First off, I don't really like her. She kind of ruins a lot of movies that I watch, like because I don't know what it is about her. I don't, there's another movie we saw her in, and I was like, eh, I don't like her. In this one, she, why why give her an American accent? It's a problem I always have. She's British. His girlfriend didn't have to be American. No, she just happens She's to be, a she could be in America and be an eye doctor. Right. There are British doctors in America. So she does this American accent, which I think is all right. Yeah, it was fine. I'm the American in this family, so yeah. I can tell you it was fine. But I, w- I kept thinking to myself, why can't she just be British? I mm-hmm. mean, why I does did, she? I agree. Um, so that. I'll tell you what it did do for her, though. It took away a little bit of that preciousness that she does all the time when she speaks with her, like, I don't, oh, I don't like her either, really. So I've only liked her, like, in two things ever. When she was actually genuinely, I liked watching her. This having to suppress the British little intonations and the little flirtiness in her voice a lot of times she had to flatten all that out and I thought that actually improved particularly at the table a lot of her interaction so I didn't dislike her I met neutral now so yeah I I would have chose a different actress if I was in charge of this movie I don't know why but I don't like they're all bouncy either I just know it's really a bullshit thing to be annoyed by but how she just she bounces all the time and that, that's just the way she, she walks and the way and she, she is. And she quite <laughs> clearly tries to play the sex appeal angle. She she does that a lot. That, you know, like the oh, fluttering yeah. her eyelashes. And I know she had to a little bit in this movie because it was part of her. Yeah. But it she seems very overly to do that. Like um, Kevin Costner plays Thomas Harper. And I also didn't care about their relationship. No, all. and that's the thing for me too. I, I It was a love story thrown in. Like... It makes sense. Here's why. Because when you threaten the woman, yeah. you're always going to get the and guy And the weakness to... of the bad guy and that kind of thing. You have Mostly to about the woman. Yeah. Like, try to threaten a man's woman. And you're going to get punched in the face, or you're going to get blown up, or you're going to get a chain wrapped around your neck. Something's going to happen to you because you've threatened and or killed the woman. That's the downfall of all men's <laughs> high-powered success in this, in the, all of history. 
is the woman. So what I or kept, the love interest. What I kept thinking about Kevin Costner, who I think is awesome in this movie. I like seeing him play these kind of roles, like the older, wiser um, dude. To me, it's just Kevin Costner talking. It is just Kevin Costner talking, but he's totally badass. He kills people. He is like a spy guy. Um, when he's on the sniper rifle... Um, you think you know, he's Jack Ryan in 30 years. Yeah, and you know what? I kept thinking... Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's... Or um, the guy from their games. Splinter Cell. That guy. Yeah, he it, just... he's really hard-ass. Like, and he's and he's lived through it all, and it it's nothing to him now. Like, he can just get click into that mode, and he does it. He's Jack Ryan, the naive agents, running down some stairs, and these guys who will kite kill, kill him, and he's just popping them off with the sniper rifle, the old grizzled dude in the... I didn't find that that interesting. I did, and I kept thinking to myself, I want to see Kevin Costner movie as this guy. I want to see, um, what's Colonel, it called? Whatever it Thomas Harper, um, agent. Because, and maybe he teams up with Jack Ryan, but it's primarily about, uh, Costner's character because I just thought he was really badass. And I like watching him, and I think he brings a. I think he was supposed to represent the older version of a, like, we're talking about a recruit here. Yeah. So now. He is Jack later. Yeah, like... I don't think he exists, like, <laughs> he has a whole story or anything. I think he just is what he is. No, but I just like watching Kevin Costner, and I think he brings, like, a... I thought he was a bit cocky, but I guess that could be part of the character. That role. But I think he is anyway. But he's, like, his handler kind of guy as well, and it's... I just liked him. I, every time he was on screen, I was like, wow, uh, this is really good. And then the other reason I like it is Kenneth Branagh actually directed the movie, but he's in the movie as well as the bad guy. And um, he brings something to that part, too. Even though it does come across as corny Bond villain at, at, at times. There were times where I was like, oh, shit, this guy's really serious. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's going to... When he know. looked at her? Yeah. I mean, he just... He looked up and you got to catch his stare for a few seconds, even. It was like, oh, she's dead, she's dead. Yeah, when he got in the back of the vehicle yeah, and, and just... just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty... But at the table, when he looked at the thing and they looked up at her... And all of it flushed in his mind without even moving an eyelash. I like, think, holy shit, you have charmed me, and now I'm going to kill you. Like, it just had that look on his I face. I think the most intimidating um, scene was when Jack Ryan came to his office to do an audit. He mm-hmm. was, like, there undercover mm-hmm. as an auditor. And um, it was the conversation between them, because it was like... Type hope. Yeah, like, I... I know something and you don't... And it, it just felt intimidating, the conversation. That was him with his guard up. And then yeah. bring the woman around and it's him with his guard down. And then prickle him a little bit, the bad guy, and he just turned into, like... Yeah. I, I think act. he was... He definitely had the intimidation factor. And they showed how intimidating he could be by... Like, he did. He does assault somebody at the beginning. Yeah. But I don't think there was enough of that. Like, I didn't feel menaced, not by him necessarily, but by the whole plot. Right. I didn't feel menaced. It was menacing at all. And the plot ends... It was too much like, I want a million dollars. That's what I'm saying. It goes a bit (laughs) over the top. And then what the plot really amounts to is not as interesting as it could have been Mm -hmm. like. So, you know. um, But I think he did really a good job considering he's directing here and then playing this major part of the movie. You know, he's in a lot of the movie. So Kenneth Branagh also directed... And as I said earlier, he directed Thor recently, Valkyrie just before that, and Hamlet, which he's really famous for. He's a Shakespearean <coughs> Excuse me. actor. Um, 
I think he's a fantastic actor. If you go and watch him in Hamlet, that kind of acting. How's that fantastic? It's just... He's masterful when he does Shakespeare. If you uh, what, what do you know of masterful Shakespearean acting? I've watched a lot of Shakespeare <laughs> so growing up. Oh, not and, growing uh, up, but... Um, when I saw Hamlet, it was the first time I really sat up and went, holy shit, this is pretty awesome. Like, it is a guy who's portraying Shakespeare in a way that I am, like, actually interested. Like, right. when I was at school and there was, we saw old Shakespeare movies and... I was always like, I can't get behind this, but this guy, like, there's something about him that bring like this role, this isn't a serious role, but there's some intensity to him, even when he's doing this. But he, he, is, he is pretty badass. Um, I think it comes naturally to him, though. A lot of it. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Not discounting what you see on the screen, but I'm just saying, I don't know if masterful, I don't know what masterful is, because... I've mean, seen some Shakespeare... Movies from the seventies, even yeah, where and plays. It's not that. It's hard to follow. They're not yeah. like yeah, I get what you're saying, but but when a character when he other people say he's masterful, but I don't know what that means because I have nothing to judge it by other than my own little limited experience. So I can't say that. But I even think he brings some of it to something as kind of not as this isn't. You know, like we yeah. just said, it's an action movie. Empty calories character. It's an empty calories type movie, really. It's a uh, watch it and then move yeah. on. But he still brings something to it, like it, like there is an intimidation factor, a weirdness factor, a craziness factor to this guy, where you're like, yeah, this guy's actually is insane. But some of the elements, right, the dead son and things like that, yeah. should be more menacing when you've when things are revealed. And you go, oh, that's what I mean. It but it's not. It doesn't really pay off. Like he's what they promise you for him at the beginning, where he, where he, the yep. guy's doing, it and then you, oh, holy shit, this guy is insane and and crazy, and he's going to really hurt people. It's like the bad guy really. from Rock and Roller is more intense, intimidating to me. Yeah, you know, because there's like this. <laughs> Like, oh my god, like, you're like, oh, he's not just, he enjoys it, too. That's the, this guy had no joy in the, tor- in the, in his violence, you know no. what I mean? When you want a real psychotic guy, who's a bad guy, he has to have a hint of getting off on it all, you know what I mean? And this guy was not at all. He just had his one little goal, big goal, and he didn't draw me in that much. Even, except for those couple of scenes where I was like, oh. God. Chris Pine is on a motorcycle on the back there. So, um, I don't recall seeing that, but there he is on a motorcycle. So, um, there's some extras on this Blu-ray. Um, there's deleted and extended scenes, and you can listen to the, um, commentary over the top of them with Kenneth Branagh and, um, Lorenzo de Bonventura. Is that what he's called? Is the, is the producer guy you see in Bonaventura. quite, Quite often in movies. Um, then there's a bunch of featurettes. The highlights are, there's one called Sir Kenneth Branagh, the, how do you say it? Zar. The yeah, Zar yeah, Shadow Recruit. Yeah. T-S-A-R. And it's basically, um, hey, Kenneth Branagh, he's awesome, he's awesome. But then, about halfway through it, I was thinking, wow, Kenneth Branagh's not appearing in this, and it's like everybody's saying he's awesome. Then he did start to appear in it, and it was, it was pretty good. Because I did get to see a bit of him. What I gather from that is he's really intense when he's directing a movie. Yeah. 
there was a lot of still shots um, of him, like picky. looking through the camera or telling somebody. He seemed to be telling somebody something on every single. And he's also very, very, very eager to tell you about all of his accomplishments and how great he is. Yeah. And so on the set, you can imagine that his knowledge is going to be. And everybody you're seemed reminded of it a to lot. swoon about him, like yeah, even it was Kevin a little Costner. Bit butt kissy. That yeah. Extra. Uh, then there was um, Old Enemies Return, which is interesting because it was a documentary kind of thing with with some not famous people, some uh, professors and some people who are experts in spy stuff. And they it's like a half an hour, and they talk about the Cold War and where like the the Jack Ryan films fit in the real life events about Russia. And yeah, it's not it's not a um, secret that Russia is the baddie in this movie. And that's not often the case anymore, is it? We Movies tend to use Middle East countries. No, I think it just comes... It's, it's all trends. Everything that trends. That's why... I don't can't remember the last film I've seen where where the Russians are the bad guys. I can't even remember it. I was thinking, like, oh, the Russians the bad guys. Don't remember it. You know, it might be James Bond. Rocky and, three. Yeah. Um, which... You know, was at the right time yeah. for that. You know, so they use the Russians as the bad guys, and then, you know, do you think of the Russians as the bad guys Not in really. real life? No, I just think of it as a country. Do you feel like we're threatened by them all the time? And, like, there's an undercurrent of, like, hate for the U.S. and Oh, I feel that way from most countries in the world. Not just Not just ones that someone else has already told me is, I feel like people all over have a distaste and a dislike for Americans. A lot of people. Not everyone, but there's a lot of... Because culturally, you look at the world so completely different. You look at life and everything different, right? So the same way that Americans, right, have a certain negative view of different cultures, it's the same thing. They're going to be... And I just think that... I don't think of it as a... I don't know. I don't think of him as a big bad guy, no. But if you're interested in, like, the real-life events leading up to, like, the Cold War and the Berlin Wall fall, these guys discuss it. Not in major detail, no. but it's it's an interesting um, look. And then there's a commentary throughout the whole movie by Kenneth Branagh and uh, Lorenzo. Um, so it does have quite a few special features, um, more than perhaps a movie like this deserves, because some movies where they're... Like, masterpieces get, like, one thing, and then you find some movies like this. Yeah, but wouldn't the movie be enough, then? If it's a masterpiece, you don't need an extra. No, I'll, I'll, I will say one where I was really disappointed was Place Beyond the Pines, which we watched uh, beginning of this year. Yeah. Um, and there was barely anything. It was it was a trailer. And I was like, oh, really? No no commentary? Like, right, but it just speaks for itself. It doesn't, though, because I always want a commentary. And well, I don't think you, a commentary is hard to come Then the movie's not enough for you. Um, but, I can't, but at least this commentary is Kenneth Branagh, so I will listen to that this week. I think lots of extras sometimes make up for deficits in the movie. So if you have a movie that's a masterpiece, you don't need anything else. Right. Unless it's about a really true story and the movie tries to portray it in a really real way, then I'm interested in the real See, event. and that, there's something. Pain and gain. Based on a real thing... We we were interested. We watched it and we we're like, "Wow, I'd like to know about the real thing." We turn the extras on. There's nothing about the real thing. We think possibly for legal reasons yeah. or whatever. But I went to the internet and researched the whole thing. I was like, "Wow, this is an interesting thing." 
But still, I feel a bit let down sometimes. Um, so, this movie is really a, like, takeaway movie. It's okay. like, you get a pizza, you get this yeah. movie, you eat the pizza, you watch this movie, <laughs> you'll be entertained for half an, you know, an hour and a half, and then you move on, and you might not think about it again. Yeah. Until the next one comes out, and then you go, oh, yeah, what was that first one about? It's that kind of movie. But, it's entertaining. It's just pretty by the numbers. That's how I feel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing that makes it stand out as, oh, that's a cool spy thriller, you know, like other movies, like Bourne, where you come away from them and go, wow, I was really... Well, they're formulaic as well. It's just that There's the package... extra. Like the last Bond movie with the really Skyfall. interesting cinematography, you know, the when they're fighting in the, in the on that building with the... Silhouette. Roger Deakins. So it's all the same stuff. It's a fight. Um, it's a guy trying to save the world from some bad person. And there's trauma in the bat, in the history of the person that needs, you know, all these things are formulaic. But the package and the wrapping of it all is what makes a huge difference. Um, but you know, something like this one is like straightforward. This is the bad guy. This is the good guy. This is the story. It's going to be bad. Will he save the day? There's a woman. (laughs) <laughs> and that's it. And I don't feel like it's leaning tons on the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan thing, because, um, you know, I just read, this wasn't actually a Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan script. It was a script for another movie, which was going to star Eric Banner, just an action movie, and it was going to be called Dubai. I don't know why it was called Dubai, but that's what it was going to be called. And then they looked at it. And it, they kind of folded in, and then they said, oh, we could adapt this to be the Jack Ryan movie. So it's not like this is based on Tom Clancy's mm-hmm. work. It's it's also, it was another movie. It's just a transplanted, and I think it would have worked as any kind of spy movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't matter that jo- Jack Ryan's in it. Exactly. To me, at all, like, because I've not got any history with him anyway. Um, it could have worked as a James Bond movie if it was a bit flashier. You know? Because the plot, that could have been a James Bond plot. Sure. You just, well, have, no. you just have to have more stunts. Because the whole world's not threatened. He threatens the whole world, the bad guys in Bond, generally speaking. He could have made it so the whole world was threatened. It's not a stretch like to, no. add, to add a little bit to it and, and add a few more car chases. Then it's a Bond movie. So that's how this feels. It's just, you know, I think you'll have fun if you like spy movies, but you might roll your eyes a bit because it, it is full of, you know, silly stuff. Um, But it's not bad. It's not badly made. No. Um, and it does. It did have a surprise for me. There was one surprise. I didn't oh, yeah. see... I thought we weren't going to get that at all. Like So that was a surprise. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. I mildly recommend it. Mm. If you're into spy thrillers. Yeah, and it's got no massive horrible violence or sex. No, or it's anything, a PG thirteen. So, yeah. Actually somebody gets knifed and there's no blood. Just on the knife a yeah, little bit. It's really two two people. Yeah, it's really odd to me though. Somebody gets strangled and drowned. Yeah. And it's not really that violent. The knife when really. you knife somebody in the jugular, there will be spray. No <laughs> Not in this one. Your arteries will spray blood. Not this guy. This guy? No. He's empty. No blood. <laughs> He's got a little bit of blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, because it's PG-13, the violence is really kept on the lowdown. Even when people get shot, there's no blood. They just fall over. Like the A-team, a little yeah. bit. But um, yeah, if it was R-rated, 
it wouldn't make a difference either because you'd just see some blood and it wouldn't make it different. So, um, and you'd probably end up seeing Kira Knightley naked. Yeah, that's you would have seen her naked. You would have seen Partially some blood, naked. and you would have probably seen some more shooting, like more shooting. Uh, so, yeah, mildly recommended by me. It's not a huge hit, but it's not bad either. So thanks to Paramount for the Blu-ray. If you want to win some Blu-rays, you can go to aschoolie.com. We've got some contests. We've got some new ones going up tomorrow. Um, and next week's Blu-ray review will be non-stop, starring Mr. Liam Neeson kicking ass. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, movie recommendations. I am going this week with another Jack movie by Paramount that came out last year called Jack Reacher. And that one stars uh, Mr. Tom Cruise. And it's a similar movie to this. I see them the same. There's a bad guy plot. There's a dude trying to stop it. Um, there's a motorcycle in both. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise is in one. But um, they're a similar type of movie. I think if you'd like this one, you'd like that one. I think Jack Reach is actually better, though. Uh, and my second one is Mission Impossible, because that stars Tom Cruise. Any of those Mission Impossible movies, I like all of them. But the difference is, they know that they're kind of silly yeah. and ridiculous, because they're based on a TV show, which was kind of hokey, and they know it. And that's what they give you. Big over-the-top action sequences that are kind of unbelievable, but they happen, you know. Especially that last one with gadgets that are kind of sci-fi-ish and crazy. Um, but I recommend the Mission Impossible movies. The very first one by Brian De, Brian De Palma is actually a really excellent movie. The others, J.J. Abrams took over, and they just... Crazy. Like, they went big. Yeah. So that's mine, mine are, I couldn't think of any, but then just now, two movies flashed in my head, just as you're talking. I don't know why. And I don't even know if this one's good at all. I don't remember much about it, but for some reason it came into my mind, so I'm going to recommend it. Aeon Flux. Yeah, it's not good. It's kind of weird and interesting, though. I mean, I don't know about the story, but visually it's got a different take on the future and the place and the idea. is interesting idea. Based wow. on the MTV cartoon that aired in the 90s. Right. Which was actually really good. It's got like Charlize it. Theron as the main person, woman, right? Aeon. Aeon. <laughs> <laughs> What's flux mean? I don't remember 100%. Right. But it's an interesting story, and it's captivating to watch. To Visually, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole thing about it's pretty interesting. And um, Salt. I think I've recommended it before. Yeah, Salt's really good. But I like Salt No, a lot. it's really good. Yeah, she's... Yeah. Master of Disguises, and it's very international, and she is a version of a female... A female James Bond type. Not a James Bondy, but um, at least a person in charge of getting something done. Like, there's a big threat, and she's, you know... And she's doing Salt too. that's the next movie. Yeah, I so like that. So will... Salt and Aeon Flux. And if you do watch Salt, I've mentioned it before, there's two end- endings to it. And you can actually, if you've got the Blu-ray... You, it's not like you're watching an alternate ending. You get to choose which mo- version of the movie you want. And you want to choose the extended version because the ending to it is way different and also better. Yeah. well, Because I've seen both of them. To um, you. Yeah, well, one leaves everything a bit ambiguous and the other one actually ties some things up, like which is not really... They're very different. It I mean, it's them... a melodrama uh, to some degree, you know, but... I still liked it. It's good. No, I really, I really, really liked it. Also a movie that involves a chase on a motorcycle. True. And so, jumping off a truck. Yeah. So, uh, games and Ace Scully stuff for this week. Um, first off, we played Walking Dead Episode 3. 
Yes. Uh, what did you reckon? What do you think of uh, without any spoilers? Um, how how like do you it. think for for season two of, so far? I personally think this was the best episode because um, it was really, really intense the entire yeah. time. Like, like, like the first one had an intense moment. Yeah. But it built up to it because you you had to be reintroduced. Yeah, to it all. you had to get her to meet these people. The second then... one had some intense moments and also a big, you know, um, reveal. But it led up. This one was just intense, start to finish. I was playing it and you were watching, and I was like, "Holy crap, what's going to happen in this thing?" And a lot of stuff happens. I would have liked it to have be longer and have more exploration. Yeah, it more, really got to the action. More quick. encounters with just daily, like with just doing stuff to get by instead of just all about the action stuff. But I, I always enjoy it. I enjoy it all the time. And there's only two episodes left now, so um, we, uh, you know, we have to wait another four months <laughs> to see the ending. Um, so the other game I've been playing this week is uh, Transistor on the PS4. Now, if you remember the game Bastion which came out a couple of years ago. It's from like a really small indie developer. They're called Supergiant Games. And uh, one of the creators of Bastion and Transistor was actually one of the GameSpot editors called Greg, Greg Kasavin. And I've watched him for years. He used to do the on-the-spot thing and he used to where they play games every Friday evening and I used to sit and watch it and like all the new games that are coming up and Greg was on that. And then Greg left. And I was always like, oh, that's shit. Like, he's gone. You know, GameSpot now is nothing like it used to be. They used to have this weekly show that was really cool. Uh, he left, and he founded this Supergiant Games, and there's like five of them. And they made Bastion, which was a cool game a couple of years ago. And now this is their second game, Transistor. And their kind of gimmick on Supergiant Games is like Bastion. They had a narrator over the entire game that narrates what you do. So, like, when you move your character go oh the character decided to go over there like they that was their kind of gimmick now they brought that narrator back and it's the same guy in this movie in movie game and the game's transistor and what it is is you're this girl called red she's a cabaret singer in this futuristic city she wakes up one day and the city scene everybody seems to have left the city it's uh, weird she stumbles across this dead guy on the floor and he's got a sword stuck in him this big giant like lightsaberish type sword she pulls it out and the sword starts talking to her and what it is is the guy who's dead his soul has gone into this sword and now she's picked up this sword she can't put it down anymore she's trapped with this entity inside this sword and the story unveils as you go through this city why is everybody left why is this guy inside this sword the other thing is red she's the singer in this nightclub she's lost her voice completely that's another uh, so the story starts to unfold of why all these things have happened. And the gimmick, gimmicky type thing, is they're using the PS4 controller. Because the PS4 controller has a speaker inside it, the voice of the sword, which is the weapon that you use throughout the game, comes from the speaker in the controller. So it it's cool because you're using the controller as the weapon, because that's what you're using to fight. And it's talking to you like directly. Like It says things like, it's based on what you do. It'll say, wow, I wouldn't have done it that way. Why didn't you go to the left? Or, right. And, and he starts speaking to you. And you you start to have this relationship with it as a gamer. Like, it's it's weird. Like, it's like he knows what you do. And then he'll say, 
you'll see a, a split path and he'll say, um, ah, I knew you was going to take the left. So it's like he starts to know what you're going to do, like based on past reactions. Um, the game itself is like an RPG. It's like turn-based type of battles where it's real time where you can hit stuff, but then you can also click a button and it goes into this planning mode and then you can do it in turns if you want as well. So you can play it as an action game or play it as a strategy game. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's all hand-drawn. It's 1080p. Um, it's all neon colors because it's this futuristic world. And another trademark that these guys have, Supergiant Games, is they have awesome songs in their games. And the songs will appear when you're least expecting them. Like, it flashes back and it shows you Red doing a sing, a, uh, a performance and you see the whole thing where she sings it. They've got this awesome girl who sings the... She did the Bastion songs as well. Um... There's a button on the controller that is a... She can't... She's lost a voice, but she can hum. So if you're in an area of the world where there's some music playing and you press the button, she will hum along to it. So there's an actual hum button. And they've recorded her humming every single tune in the game. So sometimes you just want to stop and press that button to hear her kind of hum the songs. So that's Transistor. It's out on the PS4 and the PC. I wouldn't advise getting the PC version because I've heard nothing but trouble. It um, runs very badly on the PC, they say, and it hasn't been fixed yet. So if you're going to get it and you've got a PS4, get the PS4 version. Uh, that's it for this week. Games that come out next week is probably one of the biggest games of this entire year, and that's Watch Dogs. It comes out on Tuesday. Um, it's this year's Grand Theft Auto, essentially. It's not by Rockstar Games, but those open-world type games that come out not very often because they take years to make. It's this year's one. It's basically about hacking. I'll talk about it next week. Um, Watchdogs. I've been waiting for it for like two years. And the final bit of news I wanted to put down was Gary Witter. I've mentioned it before on this show. He um, wrote the book of Eli, if you've seen that movie, with Denzel Washington. He also wrote the movie After Earth with um, Will Smith and his son, which we saw this last year. He's been chosen to write the new... Um, and why I talk about him is um, he used to write for PC Gamer way back in the day. He was one of their editors. And he left PC Gamer to go and try and make it in Hollywood. And he wrote The Book of Eli and shopped it around and eventually The Book of Eli got made into a movie. Well, he has been chosen to write the next Star Wars movie. Now, I'm not talking about the main series because this is something I learned this week. There's episodes 7, 8, and 9 coming out over the next six years. And then in between those years, Disney are making these um, spin-off movies, which um, are going to be based on different characters in the Star Wars universe. Um, the rumour is one of them is Boba Fett. Uh, and Gary Witter is writing the first one, which will be out in cinemas um, the fall of 2016, because episode seven's 2015, and then there'll be a year where... There'll be this fill-in movie. Now, I'm excited about this because Disney have done awesome with Marvel movies. People were saying, oh, they're going to make too many Marvel movies. Well, but so far they've done a really good job. All of them have been good. Um, yes, you could run Star Wars into the ground if you made a movie every single year for the next 20 years, I think. But right now, Star Wars, having new Star Wars is a big deal to me. Yeah. And especially a spin-off movie that, like, like a Chewbacca movie that just deals with Chewbacca's story. 
I think this absolutely would be awesome. Yep. For me, Javaka would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, the droids, or just characters that you know, that you really don't know everything about, you know? Um, so yeah, Gary Witter will be writing this, and Gareth Edwards will be directing it, and he's the guy who just directed the new Godzilla movie, and that Monsters movie that you... Don't like. No, but everybody loves. And I still need to see it, but like, they love it. Like, it, people can't get enough of that movie. I don't know why, and you... Because it was just... How do I watch it again? I mean, he got chosen to direct Godzilla because they saw that movie and said, wow, this guy. Like, he's this new guy. And The only thing I can think that people are like, oh, about movie snobs who don't like normal monster movies because there's too much monster and it's all formulaic. Because it's not. It is a quiet sort of... Um, what do you call it when you got two people put together who don't go together, like Midnight right. Run or whatever, Lethal Weapon, that buddy, non-buddy, anti-buddy good, movie. Good cop, bad cop. Well, no it's, no, it's a guy and a girl, and they're not supposed to be put together, but they end up getting having to be together because he has to escort her. It's a future time when the world has had a horrible infestation of something alien, sort of. I, I saw it compared to District 9, like, on the, like, they did the special effects really cheap, but they were really good. But they weren't. I don't... I have to see it again. Maybe if I watch it on the big TV, I'll be hmm. more impressed. But it's quieter. It's subtle. There are special effects, as in you look at three people's faces looking terrified, and you hear a grumbling in the forest. Right. And then they all go, oh, we can't go through there. Well, you know I me. Mean? That, that I guy like, went from that movie. <laughs> he, he directed the big, massive Godzilla movie, and now he's directing a Star Wars movie, so... Something about him that somebody. I'm not saying that everyone has to agree with the fact that I didn't like. Monsters. I'm not saying that. Either. I'm saying there must be something that people saw. Yeah, because him. people are easily impressed. It's like Neil Blomkamp who did Blomkamp who did um, District Nine, and then it, it was quite clear. He made that little short movie on YouTube, and I I saw that and I was like, holy shit, this guy definitely should make a movie. He made District Nine, amazing, and then he made Elysium. All right. <laughs> exactly. You know? So does, you know, people's perception are... I guess people are always looking out for the next guy who can make something cool and awesome. The next Peter Jackson, the next Steven Spielberg, you know, the mm. next visionary type. I don't type think Peter Jackson's dude. that great. I think he just is what he is. It's like a vision. Well, he, he, tur- he turned out, you know, that he was the guy who... He broke some ground, didn't he, with the Lord of the Rings movies and the King Kong movie. Especially within, like, motion capture. Special effects and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know about directing, necessarily. But, I mean, he's not like, you know, it's not the art of cinema when you watch Lord of the Rings or Godzilla. So, um, I say congratulations to Gary Witter, anyway. I I really like... He's saying Witter, as in W-H-I-T-T-A. Yeah, and I really like his, um... If people want to look him up. I know people didn't like After Earth. I kind of liked it, actually. I kind of liked it. I didn't think it was, like, people really... Went crazy, but I think they have an M Night Shyamalan Ding Dang. Um, people are on the hate train on him. Yeah. They have been for a while. He did the last Airbender. Everybody hated it. They went crazy on him, and then that. And I think they just wanna, you know what it's like. Yep, jump on the train. Uh, so that's people are robots, and they are easy to program. So that's it for games and A Scully stuff. I'll definitely talk about Watch Dogs next week. What's for dinner? Sid talk and. Uh, Smoothie time? Well, I decided to 
not decided today, but today's the day. But I've been thinking about doing smoothies for a while, just because I feel like super bloated and disgusting half the time, and I don't eat all. We don't eat meat, but I dose. But I do like carbohydrates. I do like sugar and I like chips and dip and. You know, I have a tendency to, it's just my personality. If you give me a bag of chips, I'm going to eat them all. I'm not a halfway kind of person. So, I've been thinking about it, looking into it. You know, already not eating meat. We don't get a lot of protein and whatnot. But what I do have going for me is I love the taste of dirt and vegetables and, like, <laughs> earthiness. Well, people say beets taste like dirt. And then you said that, like, the lettuce in my smoothie today was a little bit dirty flavor. You know, I love that. Like grass. I have that going for me. And I love the adventure of trying new things. So I'm going to attempt, attempt, for a month or so, to um, do smoothies every day. See all, all, what all I can come up with. Today, my smoothie was what I call the blind date, because I just blended up what I had. Are you talking about doing smoothies as well as regular food, or just quitting food and doing smoothies? I'm not going to quit food, ever. No, I'm, I mean for this month. Well, it is all food. It is, but I'm talking about solid, only drinks of smoothie stuff. That's my plan. I don't stick to things very well, so we'll have to see what happens. But stay tuned. That's my, exactly that's my plan, and I just think that introducing just constantly more actual because I love fruits and vegetables. I I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, if I go on a diet, which I don't think of it as a diet. I just hate fruit and I hate vegetables, and I don't. I love them. I mean. You could give me a bowl of broccoli right now, raw, boiled, steamed, I don't care. No cheese, no salt. I'll just eat it. I love it. So I'm hoping that my... my yeah, but I, even I, like, sometimes in the afternoon when I've been running and I want mm -hmm. a snack, and we have no snack snacks, I'll open the freezer, pour some frozen peas into <laughs> a bowl, and just eat them. I'm like that, too. I can just... Yeah, but you won't eat broccoli raw or carrots. Not raw, like but raw. I'll cook it and eat it. But you don't like carrots that much? No, but I would if... I, w I would eat a bowl of... What I'm saying is I don't have a dislike for those things. No. Well, yeah, because you like beets. Yeah. The smoothie is not really your thing, necessarily. But if it were just the right flavor, you would. Because you like I kind of like chewing stuff. Exactly. That's my thing. I like crunchy things. But it doesn't have to be, like, crazy... Um... But I figure if I, if I stick to it, if it keeps my interest... And I'm satisfied enough. I know there are things that happen to you when you do stop eating lots of carbohydrates, particularly after a few days. There is a... Because I eat quite a bit of carbohydrates. Because I love pasta, and I love bread, and I love potatoes, and I love potato chips. So I think when... That's the stuff I want to, to like, lessen. And for me... It's just really difficult in normal daily life. So if I do the smoothie thing for a while, kind of get... You know, maybe do a little cleansing, readjusting, less sugar and all that stuff. Maybe after a while. Then, because I love salads too. We both love salads with like tons of vegetables and weird beans and nuts and all that kind of stuff on it. So I think it's just a, just a sort of a stepping stone here. See what happens. So tonight my, my smoothie is banana, ginger, some cherry juice, lettuce, avocado, did I say banana? Apple. It's called the blind date. And you've already had it, or did you have another one? I drank it all. Right. 
But I'll make another one. I got a banana still, and I got some al- oh, almond milk, and some almond milk, so I'll make something later, too. And you will be having a sandwich. I'll be having some soup, too, because I have a box of squash soup. I think that's part of it. I think that anything that's pureed or whatever, that's... This isn't a chunky vegetable soup or anything, so I'll have that to go well, with it. I was going to say, yeah. So by next week, we'll see if my personality, which is dominant mostly about instant gratification... So if I'm in the store, okay, here's what's going to happen. And I'm like, oh, I'm really hungry. I'm really hungry. Here's what I need to do, which is buy some strawberries and some banana and some of this and some of that and go home and blend it up and drink it. Or, or, <laughs> there's a bag of chips on sale for $1.88 and that tub of, that tub of tip chip that's in the fridge. You see? See? This is where I'm going to have the conflict. In that I'd moment. Pre- I know what I'd prefer out of that. The chip dip and the... Absolutely. And... I mean, not... But you know me. I don't... Yeah, you're a moderate person. I can person. take two or three chips I'm and not I'm, a moderate, I'm a good Yeah, and I'm not a moderate person. And this leads me to my advice. It's... it's I don't know how old that is. A billion years old, this advice? Yeah. Know thyself? Wasn't it from Jesus? I have no idea. I don't think so. <laughs> Jesus is a billion years old. But, um... You know, I understand myself. I've, through my life, when I was younger and more naive, I would think like, oh yeah, today I'm only going to eat salad and I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to exercise every day. And of course it never works because I don't give enough of a shit about it. I don't have a goal mind. I don't have a this many pounds and I'm going to be satisfied kind of mind. I don't count things. I don't log things. I never will. Never, ever, ever. This is me knowing myself. If you force me and say, well, you know, I'm your diet doctor and I'm going to tell you, in order for you to lose weight, you're going to have to write down everything you eat and count all your calories and weigh yourself every three days. I'll be like, fuck off. I'm eating the chips and dip because I'm not going to do it. This is me knowing myself. I know my limits. I also know my strengths. One of my strengths is I love experimenting with food. I love food. I don't like exercising. But I think that in time, if some pounds come off and the pain in my foot goes away, you know, get that sorted out, which is getting better. Um, but I still hate exercising. So I have to find a way to f- figure that out. The, the hiking I do like. I don't love exercising, but I just incorporate it. I do. Yeah, but you an don't hate it. Do you hate it? No, I just. Okay, I, I hate it. As, it. I'd rather not do it, right? But I found, like, I, I put my Howard Stern on and I. Instead of just sitting there and listen to it, I walk and listen to it. I right. run and listen to but it. But you don't hate it. I absolutely. No, I don't hate it. I can't describe. I can't use enough words. And if anyone's listening who identifies with this, I cannot ex- describe. The, I'd like, I like. I just. Oh, I hate it. I want to grit my teeth, and my head wants to explode. And I want to be like, I don't care if I weigh five thousand pounds. I don't want to fucking move around and sweat and. Ugh, I hate it. That's hate the part it. I dislike. I've hated it my um, whole life. I'm I'm quite comfortable, and I'm not, and then I go, and then <laughs> I feel like I uh, I'm drenched with sweat. And then you got to change your clothes, and then you got to shower, shower, and all yeah. that. That's the part I sometimes think. Oh. Don't want to go through all that. Yeah, right. But you're also I'm still a moderate person, and you're willing to deal with it. I'm sort of an extreme person. Oh, I don't want to exercise. I hate it. Hate it as if. You were taking a razor blade and slicing down the side of my face. That's how much I hate it. But there's hope because I've found a couple of things. I love digging around in the garden. I love moving shit around. I like getting hot and sweaty, mowing the yard. That's if I like. If you ask me to come help you move from one house to another, 
I'll do it all day long on a hot and sweaty day. I, just, I don't mind I just it. had a thought of that. You remember that movie, The ABCs of Death? Yeah. Do you remember that fat woman one? No. Where she razor blade. When you just said razor blade my face. Uh, was she that was on a, there? She was a fat... Yeah, it was on there. It was the... F you is mean the large fat. lady? I don't remember it. She... Well, don't tell. Don't tell. That's disgusting. I won't be slicing you off remember the fat. It. She's in the shower. I don't remember. Do you know her? Oh, now I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She wants to be thin. That's bad. She, she wasn't fat at all. I mean, she was kind of, but not she really. She goes it the wrong way, though. She... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly not the way to go. So, we'll see what happens over the next uh, week. I like change, and so I like things that aren't the same, the same. And even, I mean, our normal food isn't the same all the time, because I like to make different things. I like to make our tofu different. I like to make vegetables all different ways. I make a dish, and you're like, oh, what's this called? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not called anything. It's like, there's some beets over there, and some peas, and some sweet potato, and some pasta, and some whatever, you know? So... I think I've got those things going for me. But know who you are before you venture into something that is going to make you. Now, if the outcome is all you care about and you're willing to deal with the constant boredom and pain in the ass of hating all of it, if all you care about is losing 20 pounds or whatever, then that if you're a goal-oriented person, then that's different from me. I'm not a goal-oriented person. I'm a here-and-now kind of a person, right this second. If you said to me, if you don't do this for a month, then you have six months to live because you're going to die of a heart attack, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. But after a week, if I'm miserable, what I'm going to say is, why, do I want, why would I want to live if I'm miserable every day? True. So I just don't have that kind of mind, and I understand that. And there's no, no, there's no counseling me out of it. There's no brainwashing me out of it. You can't trick me into something else. But what I can do is focus on my strengths, which is I love different things. I love vegetables. I love trying new things, and I'm willing to experiment. So that'll be good. We'll see what happens. All right, we'll keep you posted. So I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com, iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, whatever Microsoft calls it nowadays. And you can go to the RSS feed, aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe there. Email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She hates you all. I don't. And I don't. If you have advice about smoothies, though, that could be all right. Stay classy, Mr. Kevin Costner. I really liked, enjoyed Kevin Costner in this movie, and uh, I'd like to see the further adventures of Mr. Thomas Harper. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves or someone will do it for you.